What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey guys, we are excited and proud to announce that the Lakers Legacy Podcast is now part of the Fansided Sports Network. We are their official Lakers podcast, so help us celebrate this exciting new time by please going to the Apple Podcast app and rating and reviewing us five stars. For those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet done so, or if you're a new listener to the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review for the first time. It truly helps out more than you know. And it's the easiest way to show us your support and appreciation. So yes, please do what you can. If you enjoy our content, please go to the Apple Podcast app and rate and review us five stars. And that'll go a long way in helping us continue to pump out consistent content. All right. Thanks, guys. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's that time of the year again where we play Magic Mike's stripper name or NBA draft prospect. Uh, between Bones Highland, BJ Boston, Moses Moody, Matthew Hurt, and Rokus Jakubaitis, you could have fooled me. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by <laughs> I am joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, what are your thoughts on Rodeo Humphreys the third? Oh, the third, too. Yeah. There's more than one out there. Um... <laughs> Just kidding. That's not a real prospect. Uh, but you already knew that. Or did you? I don't know. Some of those names that I threw out there at the Who top, right? Who he played right? for. Yeah. I mean, especially BJ Boston. I mean, come on. Stripper name for sure. But yeah, Alan, welcome to the show. It's crazy. We're about to talk NBA draft for the Lakers. Okay. So for today's show, we're doing an introductory draft primer for you guys. And at the tail end of this episode, after this quick intro portion with Alan, we're going we're gonna to have on Keandre, a.k.a. Hoop Intellect. He puts out these great Draft Express-like video breakdowns on YouTube. He's going to come on to help give us some insight into this draft as it pertains to the Lakers' number 22 pick. Uh, the Lakers may very likely trade that pick on draft night or even after draft night, but as we always do, we'll continue to forge ahead like they're keeping the pick. Alan, I think out of any draft we've covered in the last, like, six years of this podcast, this for sure is the one where I'm like, I, I honestly have no clue. I have not. I've thought maybe 30 minutes about this, watched some quick videos, and here we go. That's why we have on guys like Keandre slash Hoop Intellect to help us out. Well, good we thing get... I watched 30 minutes a day for the last 30 days. It's a real hey, 30 for wow. 30. Okay, I'm well, just we... kidding. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get your uh, well, upset. Well, before we get to Keandre, we're going to get uh, Alan's thoughts on, and again, we want to caveat this. This is like YouTube big board stuff, all right? This is like 
10 minutes of watching a dude's YouTube highlights and formulating our own thoughts, but I think it's still somewhat informative to get people's off-the-bat reactions to stuff. And so before we get to Keandre, Alan and I are going to talk about uh, two prospects in particular who I think have been circulating around Lakers land. And also, I think as it pertains to one prospect, he's been interviewed twice by the Lakers, once during the combine and once during his workout. Uh, but those two prospects that I want to talk to you about, Alan, are Trey Murphy the third, you know, like Rodeo Humphreys, and uh, <laughs> Chris Duarte from Oregon. Uh, Trey Murphy the third is from Virginia. So let why don't we start off with him? Uh, Alan, what are your thoughts after having watched maybe 15 minutes of Trey Murphy the third highlights? Yeah, what are your thoughts on Trey Murphy? He's a 6'9 wing with a 7'1 wingspan. He's 21 years old, third year out of Virginia. Alan, all I have to say is, a Trey? Trey? <laughs> From Virginia? <laughs> um, so, first thing that stood out to me was his size. He, he's, he's very lengthy. Um, he, he's also very wiry. You know, so he looks super, super long. And I actually thought he was a lot younger than he was. Uh, not not to, like, get off with negative impressions right off the bat, but I thought, oh, man, this guy looks like he could be a first or second year, right? Like, still teenage body. And then I saw he's 21 years old. And I was like, oh, he still has to, like, grow into his, his man body. Um, yep. So I think physically, you know, he needs to develop. Um, but... As far as what stood out to me, I mean, he he's very athletic, right? He's kind of your standard uh, three and D type of wing player. Um, when he gets out on the fast break, he's, he's got really nice ups, um, a lot of verticality there. Uh, he shoots the ball well. He has a nice looking stroke. Mechanically speaking, it, it looks solid, right? It looks very mm -hmm. fundamental. Um, I, I feel like he intentionally would stand a couple of feet behind the college three-point line to show that he has the range to shoot uh, the NBA three. There are a lot of clips sure. of him shooting from back there. Um, I don't have, like, all the percentages and things like that in front of me. But, uh, yeah, he seems like a really great uh, catch-and-shoot uh, type of player. So, obviously, that's something that we as an organization sorely need is some shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like in the NBA uh, – that could definitely translate, you know, because it's not that he's relying on athleticism or like his quickness because you figure in the NBA, like guys are going to be able to defend that a lot better. But if he finds himself wide open, um, yeah, hopefully that type of skill will translate. So offensively, those are some things that, that mm -hmm. kind of stood out to me right away. Yeah, we'll get to defense in a second. But obviously, when you look at his stats page for you know college basketball reference, his numbers don't pop out to you. Only 11 points with Virginia, uh, three rebounds, one assist. Uh, but he did shoot 43% from three, hitting two a game. So that's great. And shot 50% from the field. So when you mentioned watching him play and how raw he looked and how slight in frame, Alan, who... Okay, I, I saw flashes of a particular former Laker draft player <laughs> in my head. I don't want to find the tone of your voice. <laughs> I, I don't want to say. I, look, I'm, I'm going to get more into more detail, especially with Keandre, on this guy's game, and I'm not going to equate this guy. I'm not going to apples to apples equate his game to this former Laker draft player. 
But there are certain things he does, especially when he drives it into the lane and contorts his body. And honestly, even the way he shoots his jump shot, like that's great that he shot 40% from three, but it's a little bit slow. You know, it's not like a bang, bang, Ray Allen type looking Clay Thompson shot, you know, but he shot 40% from three. And there's another guy who shot 40% from three in college too, and took a little, little while to get that stroke going in the NBA. Allen, who am I talking about? Flashes, flashes. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Brandon Ingram. You, you see, baby. You see flashes of Brandon Ingram in his game, and I think it's more, especially at this stage, you say he's, he's 21 years old, but you definitely see the rawness in Brandon Ingram too, right? Um, yes. I, I think yeah. one, the one thing that separates Brandon Ingram from him right now is that I think Ingram had way better handles and could create off his own dribble way more than this guy. So right now I think... Trey Murphy is more of a traditional like catch and shoot three and D sort of player. For, in the for a second, I thought you said Troy Murphy. <laughs> I mean, it's so close. Honestly, we're, yeah. if if we draft this guy, it's going to be a season long worth of podcast talking about Troy Murphy, uh, aka Ryan Gosling on meth. Um, but <laughs> um, so you know, the other comp, I guess, a more realistic comp for this guy, if he hits his ceiling, would probably be Trevor Ariza. That's actually who I had in mind. And right. I know it's like, oh, wow, of course you guys are like thinking of Laker players automatically. But of course. Uh, yeah, Trevor Reese actually did pop in my head. And, and you know what, for that matter, while Trevor Reese is a former Laker, he's also a former almost every other team in the NBA. Exactly. So True. There's that. He may become a Laker again in free agency this year. Who knows? Um, but with that said, there is a player in this year's finals. Uh, by the time you listen to this, the finals may be over. But there is a player on the Suns who you oh, I thought you were going to say Giannis. No, <laughs> not that crazy. Uh, but there is a player on the Suns who you'd hope that a guy like Trey would sort of approximate and emulate, and I'm talking about Cam Johnson. Just straight 3 and D, catch and shoot, doesn't do much else with the ball, just plays solid, hard-nosed defense, and is just a just knockdown. Y- and just yamming on dudes. And just yamming on dudes, exactly. <laughs> just like yamming you said, on P.J. Tucker all day. You know, I don't think Trey Murphy will be able to throw down posters off his own dribble, but in space... He's a pretty dynamic, athletic player. Kind of the same way Ingram was in space as well. And he knows how to use his length. So enough about the offense, offensive part of his game. What have you seen about his defensive potential? Uh, he seems very fundamentally sound. Um, I feel like he, he slides his feet like textbook style. You know, So even when he gets switched on to um, a perimeter player, like a smaller guard, he has a really good ability to uh, stay in front of his man, like to stay between the player and the basket. And again, he, he's not getting his, his like footwork all tangled up, uh, yeah. regardless of what the offensive player is trying to do. So I, I think that he and, you know, Virginia, for those who like watch college basketball fairly avidly, not that I really do, but they're like known as a defensive type of team. Like that's typically their identity and they barely score any points. Uh, so I think you could see some of that in his game as well. But, uh, yeah, I think the footwork defensively, obviously the length, he has a, is a great wingspan. Um, I think his ability to recover as well mm-hmm. um, if he gets beat off the dribble. Um, yeah, I think those are some, some very good uh, qualities and tangibles that he has on the defensive end. Yeah, he knows how to use his long arms to harass shooters, like you said, even after he's beat off the dribble. And I think his calling card right now is he's a great on-ball man defender. Um, you could probably switch him one to four, actually. Uh, we'll see how good he is, like, team defense-wise when he gets to the NBA. But right now, he has all the tools to become a really solid defensive player. 
All right, with that said, that's Trey Murphy th- the third. The Lakers have interviewed him twice, so and he is projected right now to fall in that 20 to 25 range. We'll see as we head closer to the draft whether he, you know, hits a spike and gets drafted earlier, but right now he's right in the range that the Lakers would pick if they chose to keep their pick. All right, let's move on to Chris Duarte from Oregon. So this guy had a very interesting journey to this point, actually. And he's old. He's 24 years old. Uh, He had to play in junior college before eventually transferring to Oregon in 2019-20. But he actually moved from the Dominican Republic to the United States at age 16. So I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to any of his interviews, but he's still actually learning the English language. But I think that experience of him having to move over to the States by himself that builds character and perseverance and all that stuff. And the fact that he had to go to JUCO before, you know, eventually finding his way to Oregon, I think that speaks volumes to his work ethic. But yes, Chris Duarte is a 6'6 combo guard. He has a fairly short wingspan, only 6'7. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Chris Duarte, Duarte, who falls in line with more of these, like, you know, older prospects, but that may work out in the Lakers' favor if they draft him? Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously, like you said, the age definitely stood out to me. I'm like, wow, this guy's older than THT. Yeah. Uh, this guy's older than like some a couple of our years. Like former, <laughs> yeah, like our former beloved uh, baby Lakers, you know, who aren't with us on this team anymore. But uh, catch and shoot guy, <laughs> again, he's got a nice stroke, though. Yeah. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. a quick release. Like, you know, you talked about how Trez isn't very quick. Trez. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Chris Duarte, his is much, much faster. Um Another thing that stood out to me was his, like, how methodical he is when he plays. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's very patient, right? And uh, very measured. Everything that he does is deliberate, but that doesn't mean that he's, he's, like, slow by any means. Yep. Um, You just see a lot of maturity in his game, and he seems like the type, you know, late-round pick. He's older. Um, you could probably plug and play him, right, uh, mm-hmm. on a championship contending team like ours. It would be, <laughs> it's like a very San Antonio Spursy pick. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like yeah. that just makes sense. Like that's that's really really good uh, for a good team to get a dude like that. So those are just my very very general impressions of him, without getting like too specific with this game. But I, I liked what I saw for sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, do, do you have any flashes of player comps that you're able to come up with? It's, it's fine if you don't, but... Uh, Anthony Brown. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's more for uh, Trey, but yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I I don't, to be honest with okay. you. Not, not off the top of my head. I got head. some. All right. So you we'll see if meth- I can predict it when you say it within like three words. So you, you mentioned methodical. He never seems OC, right? It always seems like he's under control and doesn't seem frazzled when he's dribbling the ball. Is he particularly shaky or quick or anything like that? Not necessarily, but you just feel comfortable with him whenever he's handling the ball. And given that he's a, a light-skinned brother... Um, Josh Fart. Nope. <laughs> but kind of. Another former older prospect, and again, I'm not equating him to this player necessarily in terms of career trajectory, but in terms of solidness and just being able to orchestrate an offense, but also hit shots for himself, because he can knock down some pretty difficult jump shots off his own dribble too. I kind of see a little Malcolm Brogdon, you know, flashes. Oh, okay. Okay. Was also an older prospect. um, And that's why he slid. If I 
forget where, where Malcolm Brogdon was drafted, but I believe he's, he's slid in the first round. And I feel like that could be the same case for Chris Duarte. He doesn't have the upside. He doesn't have, like, the high ceiling. He's not explosive. But maybe he could be that floor general for you off the second unit, you know, off the bench. And then another guy I thought of was from this last year's draft was, you know, Desmond Bain, who is just a solid knockdown three-point shooter, doesn't do too much. I mean, this year, Chris Duarte shot 42% from three, hitting 2.3 a game, which is great. Shot 53% from the field, so it doesn't seem like this guy's like a straight-on chucker, you know. Um, His assist numbers are low, 2.7, but that's fine. He's more of a combo guard sort of player. And, um, yeah, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, 2.7 assists. Uh, and I just like just how comfortable he is on the court. And so, yeah. yeah he I've, seems to have, well, like, a very steady disposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another guy, super high upside. Again, not equating, but flashes of Brandon Roy as well. Just because Brandon Roy was that sort of, you know, guy that you could count on. Not Doesn't do too much, doesn't go too crazy, doesn't necessarily pop off the page, even though I know Brandon Roy had some ridiculous poster jams in his day, but just gets the job done for you. Uh, yeah, you and see- actually, you know how you talked about him, like, having his the occasional poster. Uh, Chris Duarte, he's got some ups, too, yeah, when actually, he jumps yes. off of two yep. feet, like you said. Um, he, he's really strong. And, you know, being 24 years old, like, he, he already has that grown man type of body. But I feel like in the highlights that I saw, like you said, in that 10-minute clip, um, when he gets to the rim, he's able to really compose himself after contact in air and, and still finish really well. So, um, you know, if he gets driven off the three-point line or whatever, it seems like he has a decent ability to put the ball on the floor and, uh, and kind of create for himself in that type of way. Yeah, he's actually a very dynamic athlete when he has a little bit of space. And some of his put-back jams are, are pretty ridiculous. Uh, did you see anything on the defensive end from him? I f- almost feel like you can whatever you say on the offensive end, you could translate that to the defensive end in terms of just reliability and solidness. But Yeah, yeah, totally. He seems like linebacker, free safety. You know, you hear those sorts of comparisons from football to basketball. I feel like he has a lot of that in his game. He seems very intelligent in that type of way where he – reads passing lanes extremely well. And, uh, you know, the fact that he doesn't have a very long wingspan, right? He's not relying on yep. uh, just sticking his arm out there. He can read the offensive player's eyes uh, if they're trying to make a skip pass across the court, if they're throwing a chest pass instead of a bounce pass on the perimeter. Um, yeah, I saw a lot. Of, I don't know, again, like what his steal numbers were, force turnovers or whatever, but um, lots of times he's able to get in that passing lane and then, again, because on offense he's a good transition player, um, he's able to finish as well and convert those turnovers into points. So uh, that's one thing that really sets me. Also, he's a really good weak side help defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, not much length, 6'7 wingspan, but he's got those quick ups. Um, he's got that burst of speed. So um, if he needs to help protect the rim in whatever type of way, get some block shots and things like that. There are some pretty sick swats <laughs> that he mm-hmm. had as well where he's chasing the guys down, right? And you can see, like, he's really timing and, like, sizing the other player up, and he knows when to, uh, you know, position himself to get those LeBron-esque type chase downs. So in some ways, that remind I'm not saying he's athletic in, like, to this degree, but I remember mm-hmm. Shannon Brown used to do stuff like that a lot too. Yeah, Where true. he's, like, stuttering his feet around, like, between the three-point line and half court, and then he'll just burst and get that block. So, um, it, yeah, it's good to see that he has such a mature, you know, defensive uh, type of package. 
Yeah, so he averaged two steals a game actually in college, which is which is great, uh, and I think translates with the eye test. And whereas Trey Murphy is probably more of the on-ball defender, I think Chris Duarte is more of the team defender. And I think with it for a team like the Lakers, who you want to have everybody in your system, you know, clicking on all cylinders, like that's the perfect guy to have on your team to like pick up your defensive schemes really quickly and know exactly where to be, know how to read a defense on the fly. And it seems like Chris Duarte is is that in spades defensively, just a solid, solid team defender, smart defender, great instincts, like you said, great hands, and knows what to do with the ball when he gets it out into transition. And so, yeah, on all, on all levels, I feel like you can just say mature, solid disposition for Chris Duarte on the offensive end and on the defensive end. And really, you know, again, you may not get a high upside, high ceiling sort of player, but for the Lakers and and their trajectory of wanting to win championships for the next, you know, five years, like, I, I think that's the type of player you need, someone who's ready that you can plug and play like you mentioned. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go. But I, I highlighted these two prospects in particular just because it seems like they've been gaining traction around Lakers Nation and the Lakers have been interviewing them, working them out, etc. And obviously they could also realistically fall to us uh, at number 22. Uh, quick question before we go, Alan. I guess if you, were, if you had to choose between the two, is there one guy you're leaning towards more than the other? Ah, uh, man, that's tough. Um... That's a quote, Dennis Schroeder. That's tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's tough 100. <laughs> yeah. Ah, shoot. I mean, one's got, like, the upside, you know, and then the other one's, like, the, the almost feels like a vet at this point. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about long-term versus immediate returns. Um, damn. I'm going to go with Chris Duarte, dude. Okay. Nice. And it's it's just, like, a gut feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's kind of like uh, like we love Larry Nance. You know, for what he brought. And obviously, he's like instant, like super freaking flashy highlight guy. But there's just something about what I watched. I'm like, oh, I would feel like he'd be a very endearing person to be on that team. Yeah. I I actually think I'm with you, even though I'm tantalized by. Exactly. Trade the next upside. Brandon Ingram. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Again, I mentioned his jump shot mechanics. While he shoots it well, it is feels kind of slow like Brandon Ingram's, and I just don't know if LeBron would have the patience to, you know, work with a kid whose body's not ready yet and kind of gets himself banged around. And I mean, obviously, he's not going to be driving to the rim or anything like that. But I'm just wondering what the adjustment period will be for him once he gets to the NBA. Um, and how pure of a shooter he truly is, you know, because Brandon Ingram shot 40% from three in college as well, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but defensively, he looks like he could be a beast down the, down the road and be one of those, you know, three and D, uh, OG Ananobi type wings or whatever. I mean, if he can get his body to OGs at some point. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, Alan, thanks for joining me. If you guys are wondering why Alan sounds like he is uh, speaking to us from the back of a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've trained, by the way. <laughs> Which he's trained. Know, you want to know uh, how to train one. <laughs> exactly. It's because he is uh, on the road right now. And so we had to kind of do this on the fly. No pun intended. Uh, but Alan, thanks for joining me. Uh, with that said, we'll turn it over now to the expert for some deeper insight into these two prospects and many more other ones to look out for in the number 22 range. Hoop intellect coming up. Uh, we will catch you guys next time. Alan, later. Later, bro. Safe travels, and uh, we'll pitch it to our sponsors, and when we return, my interview with Hoop Intellect, Keandre. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. 
Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold, eh? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code FANSIDED20. So look, as the world begins to open up more and more, the one thing that I've personally been looking forward to the most has just been watching movies at a theater again, getting that freshly popped bag of popcorn with four extra pumps of butter, and getting my ears blown off by that 5D, 6G, XD audio system that they have. But for the best movie experience, you need to be comfortable, and you need to be seated comfortably. And what helps you feel the most comfortable when seated? Neatly trimmed balls, of course. Here to help in that venture is the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. With a Lawnmower 4.0, you'll get a trimmer that features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. So whether you're playing sports again or just sitting down on a cushy seat for the next two hours holding 600 calories of buttery popcorn, make sure you're seated comfortably with perfectly manscaped nether regions. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. All right, so today we are pleased to have on Keandre, a.k.a. Hoop Intellect, on YouTube to help us dig into this draft at the tail end of the first round. This is the NBA 2021st draft, to be specific. Uh, Keandre, welcome to the show. Yeah, why don't we just dive into things? First, if you have anything to plug on your end, social media-wise, and even just your YouTube channel, please go ahead and, and do so. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me on the show. I am Keandre. I got a YouTube channel called Hoop Intellect, like he said. Um, basically, you can find me on YouTube. Just search up Hoop Intellect, uh, spelled normally. And then you can find me on Twitter at Hoop Intellect with three L's. So, yeah. To the guy who has the, the Hoop Intellect with two L's, I need that. <laughs> I say that every time. Three three L's, folks. Uh, just remember that. Um, hey, so let's talk about how you how you started Hoop Intellect in the first place and how, I guess, what got you inspired to start Hoop Intellect. It, it, when I stumbled across them... Uh, I, I feel like you filled a void after Draft Express got bought out by ESPN. And the quality, I think what stood out to me was the quality of it. Um, it was very similar to Draft Express, but had like a sort of, you know, indie independent feel to it. But I, in terms of like the editing and also just the in-depth breakdowns as well as the comps was uh, was something that I was looking for, especially for me. And, and the last two years since the Lakers have been more competitive, I've needed to digest the draft in a quicker fashion and so your videos have helped me really dive into things in a very streamlined streamlined way I, I used to be a draft head before but I don't I just don't have the time now and also with the Lakers it's like we might shop this pick trade it like why why am I gonna you know spend hours upon hours learning 50 prospects only to not have any you know draft pick um so I think it, over the last you know year or so your, your videos have de definitely helped out in that respect so yeah well, when did you start hoop intellect and like what what got you started in that process yeah for sure so basically I started hoop intellect fall of 2018 mm -hmm. um and that was just kind of brainstorming ideas for creating basketball content I knew that's what I wanted to do 
at least in some facet, I didn't know how, like, how big it would get or anything like that. So, and, you know, I just thought to myself, like, I spend so much time doing this. Um, and then I, I used to write a lot of stuff on Medium, um, you know, covering the draft, just other NBA topics, just things like that. So I was like, how can I put this into video form? I wasn't that great at editing. Um, kind of had to teach myself, mm-hmm. you know, along the way. So it kind of just, kind of just took like different forms at first, just throwing different stuff at the wall. Um, did a lot of highlight stuff because, you know, just like breaking down film and stuff. I was like, you know what, why not just put these out and see what happens with them? Um, and then kind of turned that into like sort of a marketing strategy, kind of hitting on, you know, if Markeith Morris was getting bought out or um, getting traded or things like that. So I would just put those out like right as they, you know, those things were hot button topics or the Woj tweet comes out. Right. Um, but yeah, so like I said before, I did a lot of draft stuff on Medium. And I just decided to take that over once I felt like I could handle that, you know, stuff editing wise, um, just kind of putting together that kind of format, um, you know, breaking down these prospects. I felt like there was still like some room in the market for, you know, that type of content. So, yeah, basically, you know, long story short, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that. But top of the year, um, 2020, basically started putting out those draft videos and they did really well. Um you know, and then through COVID, when we had that extended period, um, I was probably on, I think I was on Obi Toppins when the Thunder um, and Jazz game got canceled. Um, and then the season got postponed and all that. So that's where I was in, in that, you know, kind of cycle or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit, got the whole pandemic and everything. And we just got rolling, got through like, I think 66 prospects that Damn. that year so <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty it's pretty it was pretty fun time pretty difficult um but yeah that's pretty much how it got started and then you know just kind of continued that buffered you know um the format and everything and made it look much better than it did before and yeah that's where we are now thank you for putting out the videos that you do thank you for doing you know the podcast rounds that you have been doing i'm glad that you've been able to to gain some traction and hopefully you get credentialed you get hired to a bigger site Someone buys you out, you know, I all that good stuff. But let's dive into uh, the Lakers and the tail end of the first draft uh, of this year's 2021 NBA draft. Uh, I guess we'll start off general. Um, how would you categorize this draft in terms of depth at the, like, number 18 to 30 range? Uh, I guess in terms of, like, type of prospect. Is this more of a higher ceiling, low floor draft, or is it... Uh, there are a lot more players that have a high floor but low ceiling with guys that won't necessarily become all-stars but maybe more NBA-ready starter-level prospects. Yeah, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see who ends up in that range because there's just such a wide variety of you know types of players, types of different teams, and their timelines in that kind of sort of general range. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got your guys like your, your JT Thors, your Isaiah Jacksons, you know, those type of prospects who have really super high floors, great athletes, you know, long, all that, they check all those boxes, but you know, they've got some things to work on. Um, so, you know, depending on the types of teams and stuff in there, it's just going to be, you know, interesting to see, but then you've got your, you know, your Jared Butler types, um, you know, three-year player at Baylor, you know, been through a lot of things. He's got a pretty complete game, you know, he has the heart issue. So that's one of the things that might, you know, put him you know further back in the draft than he would have been in the first place um but then you've got you know your your Jaden Springers your your Chris Duarte Trey Murphy's Bones Highland you know it's just a 
really interesting collection of different types of players that are kind of sort of projected in that range right now. Um, but yeah, I think that's just kind of the nature of the draft as a whole. Sure. Out of the players that you just mentioned, are, would you consider those guys NBA ready? Um, quite a few of them, you know, uh, Jared Butler, Chris Duarte, Trey Murphy's, those guys are who I call the Desmond Bain all-stars. Yeah, in yeah, this yeah. Draft. So, you know, guys who might have been a little bit older, had different paths, you know, sort of getting to this point. Um, but their experience, they don't have very many holes in their games. Um, for a team like the Lakers, you know, they kind of fit that timeline a little bit better. Um, and I, I call them Desmond Bain All-Stars because he fell all the way to 30th last year. Yep. As a guy who, who really should have been a top 20 type of prospect. But, you know, just given his age, you know, he doesn't have the best measurables. Wasn't the greatest athlete. But, you know, the skills that he did show, you know, those were very transferable to the next level and you know the Grizzlies got to deal with that yeah and Desmond Bain was a popular prospect last year had the Lakers not you know shopped their pick um, or traded their pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder and a lot of Lakers fans were intrigued by Desmond Bain and I think he shot really well during the regular season during his first rookie season Um, I'm interested uh, because you know we're still just coming out of this pandemic and I, I don't know if you've been able to analyze or even assess what happened to last year's draft, which is entirely virtual and, you know, in this pandemic-ridden season, I'm wondering, and I guess it'll still take like a year or two to figure out what the weirdness of the pandemic has done to scouting in general, just because it doesn't seem like, you know, you have the same sort of intel you normally do or the prospects aren't as easily available as they normally are. So it'll be interesting to see if that causes, you know, players who are talented to slip through the cracks a little bit more than they would have in a normal NBA season or normal college basketball season when, you know, there is easier access to all these guys. Um, But so I guess in in this like number 20 to 30 range, without adding any context, for the guys that you feel like will be available, who would you who would be your like top three prospects in this range? Yeah, so this is sort of more of like a preference thing. I feel like, you know, sure. there's so many different directions we could go. So I'm just going to go, you know, who I would prefer or, prefer or maybe some of my favorites. Um, what The first being Bones Highland. He's gained a lot of traction, you know, sort of over these last couple of weeks, you know, through the combine, different articles. He's, his name is definitely out there way more than it was before. I think Draft Express had him ranked 66th. Um, before the combine and now you know he's getting a lot of first round buzz by you know even the mainstream site so but yeah you know a guy 6-3 great range on a three-point shot um he's wiry but I love his his mentality and his personality he has that extra it factor that you know I wouldn't say necessarily others lack but it's definitely advantage for him you know fits his personality well um like I said one of the best shooters in the draft 6-9 wingspan um, and I think he's got a little bit more ball handling and playmaking skills than he showed at VCU, um, just based on what he showed in high school um, and, you know, certain other things like that. But I think he has great value in the 20s. Um, nice. And then. The- sorry, bef- sorry, before you move on, do you have a, I know I know you do NBA comps for, for, for players. Do you have like a shades of sort of player so that people who aren't unfamiliar can kind of project him? Yeah, so for for Bones, he plays very similarly to Emmanuel Quickly. Okay. Just, you know, even their their build, um their the way that they shoot and everything like that. I think he has some significantly better, you know, shot creation potential. 
um, especially in like the mid range and things like that. Um, sort of similarly to like a Jamal Crawford, that's who I would say mm-hmm. like the shades of is. Um, but like I, a Lou know, Will, Lou Will, yeah, somewhere like somewhere in there. I think he can be a little bit better than them in terms of like complete game, not oh, just okay. being like the score guy, type of guy. Um, but you know, so some of that is going to have to deal with like how much he develops physically, um, because that's one of his like major weaknesses at uh, right now. Yeah, I think the Lakers worked him out and also interviewed him. At, at this point, do you think – I've seen him, like, mocked from anywhere from 20 to 42. And, you know, the Lakers are a team that even if they trade their first-round pick, they could buy a second-round pick. So I think he would be a prospect that they'd strongly look at. But, sorry, keep keep going with your, your list after Bones. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next guy I have is Chris Duarte. I yes. know he's gotten a lot of buzz um, in Lakerland. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the best players in the Pac-12. He's had a really interesting, you know, journey and story, you know, getting to Oregon after being the, the Juco player of the year and everything like that. So um, he has all the three and D type of tools he can create for himself and set up his teammates, especially in the pick and roll. And, you know, that's a great skill to have as sort of an off guard or, you know, type of wing in the modern NBA. And yeah, he, he, he shot lights out. And it was just, he he's another one of those guys who just has like really few holes in his game. And like I said earlier in the podcast, for a, a team like the Lakers, who needs to win, you know, as soon as possible, they're trying to get any piece that can help them get back to, you know, the championship. Chris Duarte is, you know, he fits that bill as, as an older player who, he is 24 years old. So, you know, he's you're not going to have the same kind of, you know, maybe off the court issues or, you know, those type of things that rookies have to adjust to. Yeah, me and my podcast host actually analyzed him right before you came on. And we I just talked about how he gives me sort of, again, not to say that he's going to be this player, but he gives me very Malcolm Brogdon-ish vibes in terms of just his composure on the court, right? And yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure he'd be an even more dynamic player if his wingspan was was greater, because I think it's only six seven, right? But if, if he was six six and with like a seven foot one wingspan, who knows what he could do? But it's kind of incredible that even without the long wingspan, he's already shown himself to be a pretty great help defender, team defender, very smart on that end of the ball too. So I think your assessment of of him being part of that Desmond Bain All Stars group is like spot on because. He can also shoot the lights out. And I and his jump shot mechanically looks very clean and smooth. Yeah. And he can hit some tough shots off the dribble too, which is impressive. Who's your third guy? Yeah, so my third guy is, you know, Virginia's Trey Murphy. Yes. Another one of those sort of late risers, weird kind of journey to this point. Um, started off at Rice, ended up as Cavalier. Um, at one point, I thought that he might be, you know, sort of more of an early second round type of guy. But... At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in like the mid teens, mm-hmm. um, just based on how how people are talking. You know, he's got really great size at six nine, can guard multiple positions, uh, hits threes at a really high clip, um, in a, in a variety of different uh, areas and everything like that. Um, he's a more impressive athlete than I think he's given credit. Um, and while he doesn't project as someone who's going to really do a lot with the ball, he can at least give you a move and get to the cup, attack closeouts, that that sort of thing. Um, he's not, I wouldn't say he's stationary by any means. I feel like that's kind of been placed on him. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you what contributed to him only putting up 11 points? Is it really because he doesn't have like that primary on ball creation skills or was it just the system that he was in or? Yeah, part of it is kind of a combination. Like he's not somebody who's really going to go out and get you like a whole 
bunch of buckets. He's kind of just a function of the team. You know, a, a place like Virginia, a place like Villanova, those kind of guys, you know, they fill their role. They do it well. Um, they might have a little bit more to give at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's who I feel like Trey Murphy was. Um, somebody who can be like sort of a star role player. Yeah, and I think for the Lakers, that fits what they want too. Like if he can show us anything more, that's great. But I think in the NBA, he's not going to be asked to have the ball in his hands as much. And yeah. I, I don't know about you, if if you were covering the draft or starting your analysis during this this year or something, but I swear to God, there are flashes of Brandon Ingram in this kid, not in terms of the good stuff, but also the super rawness in him. Also, also their, their body physique right now, you can tell he still has a lot of work to do with his body. Um, but the way that he contorts himself when he gets into the lane is very Ingram-esque. And actually, the, the thing that makes me say Ingram is, again, not to say that he's going to become Brandon Ingram, but, sure. and, and maybe you can give me some more insight into his jump shot. I know he shot 40% from three, uh, made two threes a game, but his jump shot reminds me of Brandon Ingram's jump shot. It's a little bit of a slow release and a wide base. That w- gives me some worry a little bit. Obviously, Brandon Ingram is now shooting 40% from three, but it took him a while you know, to finally get comfortable with NBA range. So do you think he could be that quick shot sort of player in the NBA? Because right now it kind of looks a little bit slow. Yeah, so I feel like most of the you know similarities that come from them are like sort of their body types and they move a little similarly mm-hmm. um in that way and then like you said you know that high release point jump shot especially with Brandon Ingram at Duke um it was much more over his head um wasn't as developed and everything like that i think Trey Murphy is just a you know just better overall shooter you know okay. just looking back um to Rice he's just a little bit more advanced than than Ingram was at that point now i don't think he will have the creation skills yep. that Ingram, you know, does, you know, even the the passing ability that he showed at Duke. But, you know, in terms of guys who are six seven to six nine, that that kind of, you know, wiry, skinny um type of athletes, that I see where where you get that uh sort of comparison from. So in terms of shooting, you'd probably say better than Ingram, but another guy that people are comparing him to or want him to fit that mold is Cam Johnson. You'd probably say worse than Cam Johnson shooting wise, though, right? Yeah. I think, you know, looking back at Cam Johnson at at UNC. He his release, his range, just a little bit more, yeah, just a little bit more fluid, quicker, um, get it off in different spots. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So the Lakers, I think, interviewed him at the combine. They interviewed him again after they worked him out. So he's definitely a prospect that I think they're very interested in. Uh, he's 21 years old. I guess if if you had to pick between the two as it pertains to the Lakers, and I asked my co-host this beforehand. Um, who would you pick between Trey Murphy and uh, Chris Duarte if it came to those two? Yeah, I think I would have to go with Duarte. I think, I think Trey Murphy has a little bit more upside in terms of like long term. Sure. Um, you know, just given their age, that's kind of a, a given too. But I really like Duarte's ability to facilitate, especially in like the pick and roll. And for a team like the Lakers, who needs sort of that extra guy who can make a play for, you know, somebody else, especially when you know one of LeBron or AD is off the is on, on the bench. That's what where I think Duarte's like value really skyrockets um in comparison to some of the other guys who might be available in that range. Nice. Yeah, we both agree Duarte as well. Um okay, so with regards to picks that may fall to the number twenty two range. Oh sorry, before I get to that, out of Duarte and Murphy, who do you think has a better chance of falling at twenty two, if you have any sort of insight into that? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, they both have a really good chance of, of getting to that area, but I'd probably say it's it's a tough question because I've I've heard Duarte get some lottery buzz. Um, I know Sam Vecini works at The Athletic, has him ranked, you know, in his top 15, so um it's kind of it's kind of a juxtaposition there, but I would I probably go with Duarte just given his age. I feel like teams might go ahead and just pass on him just for that reason. That makes sense. Um, and a lot of the teams below the Lakers are like you know lottery teams, so it makes sense for sure. Um, okay, so for in talking about picks that or prospects that may fall that you have you personally have ranked higher, let's say in the, like the number ten to twenty range. Let's say this particular prospect falls to 22. Who would you say, this is the guy that the Lakers absolutely have to take because I did not see him falling to this spot, but somehow he did? Yeah, I'd probably say Trey Mann um, Mm. out of Florida. And the reason I say I picked Trey Mann is because he's gotten sort of, you know, a lot of buzz and a lot of talk placed in sort of that late teens to early 20s this kind of area um where his draft projection is at and i i view him as sort of a top 10 to 14 type of prospect Mm -hmm. in this class so if he were to fall to that range i think the lakers don't think about even if trey murphy uh chris duarte chris duarte are there i think you go with trey man just given his his shot creation ability um ability to stop on a dime is kimba walker darren williams-esque um not saying that he will become that all-star level point guard, but um, I do think that he has a really good chance of contributing in year one too. And then being an asset, you know, going forward in the future, I just don't think you can pass up a guy with his type of potential. Yeah. Six, five from Florida, 16 points, 3.5 assists, 40% from three. He's very, very shifty. Like you said, Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, like if Jordan Clarkson had a three point shot from the get go, um, and the Lakers are obviously familiar with JC. Maybe JC, he's kind of like his upside projections, probably what JC did this past year, where he was just like bombing threes left and right and hitting at a ridiculous volume. But um, I, like when I was watching your videos, like ankle breakers galore, he keeps that ball in a string like yeah. a yo yo. It's kind of crazy. Um, so he's a very, very dynamic, exciting sort of player. I also saw a little bit of uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker in his game a little bit. Maybe it's because of his frame. Um, but would you project his role to maybe be that sort of, I mean, all the guys we're talking, we just brought up in terms of comps are like these six, six man off the bench, sort of microwave type scorers. Would you project his role to be that? I think that he's got a little bit more um, upside as a, as a playmaker. Okay. Um, he's shown sort of that in the, in the past, his first, you know, skill set or, you know, primary role would be, you know, scoring the ball. That's what he does well first and foremost um but dating back to where he was a mcdonald's all-american he's a guy who can who has shown the capabilities of you know setting people up in the pick and roll um the one hand whip passes to the mm. corners corner skips you know things like that he views himself as a point guard going to the uh into the nba so you know just sort of things like that i feel like he's got a little bit more to give than maybe a jordan clarkson had you know just from the get-go but, you know, that baseline scoring skill set, great range from three, he definitely has all that as well. Would he, would he, I mean, the way you're describing him, I know aesthetically it's probably not the same, but maybe skill sets between 
merging JC and D'Angelo Russell. And I'm using references that Lakers fans may know a little bit more of, you yeah. know, because D'Angelo could pass some, you know, obviously, and had, had crazy vision in some respects. So, yeah, so that's interesting because I've seen Trey Mann in certain mock drafts too, like fall to the second round. So um, interesting to note that as it pertains to you, if he falls to the Lakers at 22, he might not be a bad prospect to take even over some yeah. of the guys that we just talked about. So that's a really interesting point. I have some quick hitters in terms of, um, and I'm kind of throwing this to you, left field, so feel free to take some time if you need it. But um, I want to talk about people out of the guard position a little bit. Who is uh, this year's, like, Mitchell Robinson, Rudy Gobert, Thomas Bryant big that slips, you know, later in the first round, but may be able to outplay his draft position? I guess I'm talking more about, like, Thomas Bryant-ish type guy who, for whatever reason, these bigs just seem to fall. Um, and then yeah. once a team takes a chance on them and develops them correctly, like they end up becoming starter level type bigs. Even though you know, in the playoffs it's hard to play a non-spacing big, etc. Although Thomas Bryant can shoot, but yeah. So for the sort of first round, that first you know kind of comparison, the the Mitchell Robinson, uh, Rudy Gobert type, I would say that might be Isaiah Jackson. Now okay. he's gotten a lot of lottery buzz, but. If he falls past, you know, the Charlottes, uh, San Antonio's, those kind of guys um, at the end of the uh, lottery, then I think that he could be in for a little bit of a fall into the, the mid to late 20s. Okay. Um, But another guy sort of in the second round, more in that Thomas Bryant type of, uh, you know, placement is Charles Bassey out okay. of Western Kentucky. Um, He was, he's in the same high school class as I am, so. Uh, watched a lot of him, uh, paid attention to a lot of him. So before the injuries, he was looking like somebody who could be a one-and-done type of prospect um, coming out of there. And, you know, he had some some rough injuries, but he bounced back in a big way. Um, all the conference awards, all the, that kind of stuff. Um, somebody who is a, he's a lob threat, rim runner, uh, shot blocker. He's got a little bit um, – he's shown a little bit um, of potential to, you know, space out his game, uh, shoot the three, shoot the mid-range. He's got a good free throw percentage, those things, um, those signs that you like to see. Um, but he's he's a guy who, you know, has some some late first-round type of buzz. But if he ends up going further into the second, people are valuing other positions, you know, the the wings like Herb Jones and, and Quentin Grimes. Yeah, I think you could get a lot of value in a guy like Charles Bassey if you're looking for a big. Who was the first big that you mentioned before Charles Bassey? Uh, Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. Okay, cool. Um, are there any international guys we should keep an eye on? Because those are always sort of the wild cards. They could slip. They could. Someone could have an interest in them, and they're somehow in the lottery. But um, I know there's this Petrosev guy he's looking like a Brook Lopez stretch big out of a Mega Baymax. But that's literally the only guy that I've seen or heard of. But are there any other guys that we should keep an eye on internationally? Yeah. So I think the the first international guy. Is Josh Giddy out of Australia, six mm-hmm. eight uh, guard, really intriguing passer. Um, the other parts of his game are sort of a little bit undeveloped. He's not that great of a defender. Um, can't really put a whole bunch of pressure on you as a scorer yet. But you know, I think teams are like a lot of his upside, and he he'll probably be a lottery pick at this point. Another guy is Alperin Singun, a big man, six nine big man, out of Turkey, super skilled. Um, but you know, there's a lot of questions around surrounding his game, sort of like, can his archetype, can he get good enough to be in that Sabonis 
type mm-hmm. of archetype or is he closer to like an Ennis Cantor? Now, he he's only 18. He's got a lot of time. He's shown some signs as, of being a, a better shooter than than uh, Sabonis was coming in and uh, definitely more, better than Cantor. But, you know, those are there's a lot of concerns. He cannot defend in space very well at all. I just uploaded a, a video on him the other day, so... Um, that's kind of fresh in my mind. Gotcha. Cool. Sweet. Um, are there any guys in the early second round who you feel like could be in the second round that you consider first round caliber talents that you think like a team like the Lakers should take a flyer on if they, you know, trade their number 22nd pick and then buy, buy into the second round? I guess let's move Trey Mann out of there because he could slip or let's move the guys that we've already talked about, uh, Trey Murphy and Trey Mann. What's another guy who you're like, this guy for sure is a first-round talent. I don't know how he's in, like, 35 range, but he's here, that you feel like the Lakers should, you know, try their best to buy, buy a pick to, to draft him. Yeah, the best thing about this draft is in other years, I would, I would probably say there's about 35 to 38-ish, you know, first-round grade type of talents. Um, you've got, maybe not for the Lakers specifically, but you've got guys like, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, Kessler Edwards, Herb Jones, lots of value there as like versatile forward defenders first, um, smart players. Um, and then you've got your a guy like Deuce McBride. He's somebody who's definitely a first round talent. Might slip to the second round, but you know, there's it's just gonna depend on the team. Um he's a he's about six one dynamite combo guard. Um, then you've got your Aaron Henry out of Michigan State sort of a Swiss army knife type of wing. Um, maybe Io DeSumo, um from Illinois. I know a lot of people, if you follow college basketball, you definitely know him. And, you know, like you said, for the Lakers specifically, like trading back or buying a pick, um, that's just going to depend on the value that they get from trading 22. Um, there, These guys do have, you know, sort of first round, late first round type of talent. But if you get a guy like Trey Mann or you get the guy that you want at 22, he falls there, you you just go ahead and take him. Um, I think there's, you know, just enough of a, a talent gap there that, that you go ahead and take that guy. Sure. My last general question is, who in this range into the second round fits that sort of, who do you think is like the best 3 and D wing sort of player that fits that OG Ananobi type mold that you can get in this range? if we haven't talked about him yet or is it like Trey Murphy in the 20 to let's say let's say 20 to 35 like who's the best wing at that point yeah so aside from the Chris Duarte Trey Murphy's um I would probably say I would probably go with Quentin Grimes okay um he's sort of been a late riser just because of his combine performance and you know just how the way the way he played in the tournament and everything like that for Houston um, but you look at what he can do as a three-point shooter, really high volume, high percentages, great size, um, physical attributes. He's got all of that. He was somebody who projected as like a top five pick coming out of high school. Um, things didn't go, you know, quite how he wanted that Kansas, so he transferred to Houston. Um, but at this point, you know, that that sort of archetype, there's not very many players who sort of fit that. You know, the other we can talk about the other parts of his game. Um definitely not a whole bunch of polish there but 
you know, that archetype specifically, he fits for sure. Gotcha. And yeah, that type of archetype usually gets drafted earlier because everybody needs like a 3 and D wing. Exactly. Um, so there are a couple of prospects before I, I let you go that I want to just get your opinion on and talk more about. What are your thoughts on Corey Kispert? You know, he's 6'7". He literally looks like Joe Harris. It's probably unfair that everybody's just like, that's Joe Harris because he looks like Joe Harris and he shoots well <laughs> uh, and he's white. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it, right now it seems like he's lotto-bound. Um, what are your thoughts on him? And is, is, he, is there any chance that he falls to 22? Or is he someone to trade up for? Or, you know. Yeah, so I, I really like Corey Kispert's value more in, like, the you know, 15 to 20, 22 ish type of range. I think, you know, he does what he does and that's just what he's going to do for the entirety of his career. Mm-hmm. Tremendous three point shooter. You know, he's a better defender than advertised. Um, pretty, pretty solid athlete. And it shows up more on the film than maybe he did in the, in the combine measurables. Um, but yeah, you know, there's been a lot of rumors for him going 10 to the Pelicans um, if he doesn't go there, I, I'm not exactly sure where he will end up going. But yeah, for you know, a team like the Lakers, he would he would absolutely you know help them out, you know, spacing the floor and everything like that. But then we talked like we did before about the the extra playmakers on the floor. He doesn't really have a lot of that in his game. Um, that could be a reason that they turn a different direction. But yeah, I, I really like him in in that in that area as a four year senior. Gotcha. Nice. Um, yeah, I think he'll have the experience, and if the one thing that he'll be relied upon is just shooting. I again, I don't know how good he is defensively, but at least he has some size at, at six 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 seven. Yeah. Um, what about? So I'm gonna let me turn to some two big men that I'm interested in. I don't know if you think they'll be in this range, but um, uh, Trey Murphy's teammate Jay Huff. I, I think they're, they're teammates, right, from Virginia. Um, yeah. Seven foot one, seven foot five wingspan. Brooke Lopez-like, better shot-blocking Kelly Olynyk, uh, longer, taller, better defending Ryan Anderson, or he's Ryan Kelly. These are the comps that I came up with off the bat. Um, I mean, what I was intri- intrigued by is, you know, 2.6 blocks, one of, like, one of the leading shot-blockers in college basketball. Um, what are your thoughts on him potentially being able to be NBA caliber starting big who can also stretch the floor but also not be a sieve on defense? Yeah, I think that he's probably closer to more of a, a rotational type of big um, in the league. And, you know, just given his value, seeing how other people are talking about him and things about that, he'd probably be available, you know, well into the second round. Okay. Um, I feel like that's where most of his value lies. Um, he's picked up a little bit of steam lately. But I for for a team like the Lakers, you know, that's that's sort of a guy who I could see helping them, you know, sort of diversifying different lineups especially as um ad doesn't want to play the five all the time um not that not that jay huff is really the guy who's really going to you know be a bruiser or anything inside but you know just take those minutes um but yeah for for a team like the lakers he makes a lot of sense in in the, in the second round what do you think keeps him from being like a, a top prospect is it his foot speed and like lack of athleticism right now yeah i think that would be you know, sort of the main thing, especially, you know, in the modern NBA and everything like that. Um, he's he's an older guy, um, you know, doesn't have the best, you know, foot speed, athleticism, that that sort of thing. But, you know, as somebody who can step in and be a rotational type of player, he, he fits he fits the bill. And if Frank Kaminsky is going to play uh, 
NBA Finals rotational minutes, you know, that's got to excite Jay Huff, you know. For sure. Um, the next guy, uh, Kai Jones, he's 6'11", 7'1", wingspan from Texas. I mean, Christian Wood, Thomas Bryant, Jalen Smith type vibes, maybe more Jalen Smith than anything else. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on him? And obviously, probably his ceiling will be determined by how he develops and what team gets him. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Kai Jones? Yeah, I really like Kai Jones. He's he's more of a lottery type okay. prospect for me. Yeah, but you know, the perceived value in like where he's going in mocks, you know, he does drop, you know, sort of to those late teens quite often um, from what I've seen. But I think you, you look at a guy who has his two-way ability. He's a former track star. You know, once you see him in transition, you, you get it immediately. You know, make a block on one end, run down the floor, catch a lob, you know, those type of signs that you see from him. And then you add in the type of skill. He's shown a few post fades, you know, he's got a solid free throw percentage. He shot the three, got a couple step backs in, you know, he's just shown a lot as, as a prospect that I think teams are really intrigued by mm-hmm. um, a team like Charlotte, like we mentioned with Isaiah Jackson, somebody who's going to get on transition, run with the Lamella balls, miles bridges, you know, you've got kind of a, a showtime type of team right there. Um, but that that's kind of his his role, and you you nailed it with the comparisons. You know, the Christian Woods, um, sort of in the same body type as as Jalen Smith, though we haven't got to see him on the court yet. Um, he's not he's not the greatest shot blocker. That's sort of a part of his game that kind of holds him back from being somebody who would probably be in like top sevens. Um, but you know, as he as he grows, as he develops, he hasn't been playing basketball for that long, so. That's kind of just all the, a part of him as a prospect, and you take that into account. Cool. Last question before I ask you to pick for the Lakers, just priming you now. Who's the best playmaker, like in terms of point guard in in this area? Not to say that the Lakers would pick that guy, but just like who's the best passer? Yeah, so in this area, I would go with Sharif Cooper. Um, I actually think that he's probably the best playmaker in the draft overall. Oh, okay. Now he has his limitations. Obviously, he's probably you know sub six foot, um, not the greatest defender. Um, the jump shot is a work in progress, obviously. But in terms of setting teammates up, you know, finding passing angles, you know, those skip passes in the pick and roll, pocket passes, he's got all of that, and he's electric. So he was one of the most entertaining players to watch in college basketball put up over eight assists a game. Like, that's really tough to do at the college level, um, just given the pace and, you know, the type of teammates that he's playing with. But, yeah, that's that's my pick for, like, the best playmaker passer in that in the draft and in that range. Okay, nice. Good to know. Um, all right, so I'm going to put you in the hot seat. We're not going to hold you to this pick, obviously, because there's so many things flying around that could change. But give me your best prediction for you're on the clock as the Lakers, number 22nd pick. Who are you picking? I'm going with Chris Duarte, a guy that we've talked nice. about all mm-hmm. throughout the show. Um, just given, you know, he's got good size. He can shoot the ball really well. I think he fits well into this team and the timeline. That's a big, you know, point for this Lakers team. Yep. And, yeah, that's who i pick if he's there, um, you know, barring that somebody really fell or slipped. Right. Uh, that has really high potential, but, yeah. Nice. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't tell you this before you came on, but, like, the intro segment that I did with my co-host, we, we were – jostling back and forth between Trey Murphy and uh, Chris Duarte, and we both came away picking Duarte. 
And I do like his story in general, like the life journey that he's lived and having to move to the United States, learn English and all that stuff. I think that just lends to character building and having to go through stuff, you know, to get to this point. So I think that's a that's a player that Lakers fans, if, if the Lakers were to pick him, could easily sort of, you know, support and come around. So. All right, Keandre. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for um, helping get us familiar with this draft. I definitely learned a lot more, and and especially uh, even before talking to you, I was looking at watching your videos to make sure that I could even say anything additional about these prospects. So thank you for those insightful videos and for hopping on. Um, Once again, if you want to just plug anything or if anything is coming up that you want to let people know about, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, so... You can you can find me on YouTube, like I said before. Follow me on Twitter, Hooping Like with Three L's. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. And then you know the guy that we were talking about, I've got a scouting report on Chris Duarte coming out really soon. So you know, be on the lookout for that. Nice. All right. Thank you, Keandre, for hopping on. We we'll, hopefully we'll catch you again, maybe even next year. I appreciate you for having me on. For sure. Thank you. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.